Well, the field of psychology is not based on scientific principles. It's based on everything from heuristics to uh, theories to so there are there are hundreds of different schools of psychology, and that that's not a criticism. It's just the nature of the field. It's a pre-principles field, and that's why it's not considered to be a hard science. It's because there aren't an agreed set of principles that have formed a paradigm that the that the field has agreement on. Okay, well, what I realized was that these principles that I refer to as the principles behind clarity. They represent a paradigm for human psychology. They they have all the markers of principles, i.e., they're uh, explanatory, they're predictive, and they're constant. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day, they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth until tomorrow, no code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. My guest today is a Sunday Times bestselling author, keynote speaker, an executive coach. His name is Jamie Smart, and from Victoria to London, from innate thinking to his international number one best-selling book, Clarity, Jamie knows what it takes for you to transform, transcend, and ship your ideas and projects without anxiety. Jamie, how are you today? Well, so far, so good. I really like the introduction. Great to be here with you, Abdulaziz. I'm really excited and glad to have you here. And to begin, let's give the listener a story and the background that made Jamie Smart be the person he, he is today. Well, you know, it's so interesting. As I listened to your intro and you were talking about how to ship without anxiety, my background is actually, I used to be a software project manager, so running software projects for large companies. So this is back in the 1990s. And, uh, but I wasn't doing that without anxiety. I was able to ship, but there were huge amounts of anxiety. So I used to drink large amounts of alcohol to deal with that, but that stopped being effective. I, and so I stopped drinking in the late nineties. And what I discovered when I stopped drinking was that, that I was left with a thinking problem. And so I started exploring all kinds of stuff just to uh, try and have a, a better quality of life. And in the, in the process, I became fascinated with and ultimately passionate about 
Uh, how do people transform? How do people change? And how do people make things happen in the world? You know, you mentioned my first book, Clarity, which was about, you know, where that mental clarity comes from. My second book was called Results, and it's about how to make things happen in the world. So, so I... I went on a journey. First, I, I explored the domain of uh, neurolinguistic programming and built a business around that and created lots of products. So I, I, I kind of built that shipping muscle, if you like. And, and the whole, you know, uh, thing about shipping, which uh, has been um, popularized by Seth Godin, Seth's he did a, a an audio course way, way back in the late 90s called Making Money on the Web. And I listened to that and it really helped me get a sense of, you know, how to grow a business uh, in, well, in, in, in the early 2000s in terms of relationship marketing and all that sort of stuff. And one of the things I've, I've discovered over the years is that this kind of fear of shipping, fear of execution, uh, uh, failure to ship, it, it shows up in every single industry, in every single endeavor, because what it's really about is it's about fear. It's about fear of criticism. It's about uh, fear of uh, failure, fear of success. Um, and, and, well, I'll tell you tell you a quick story. I, I love coaching people. And one of the things I do, Abdulaziz, is I, I coach people in front of an audience. So I often do that. I'll have audiences of coaches or or other folks who I'm, I'll coach someone and use it to kind of demonstrate certain things. So I was speaking in an event and I was coaching this business owner at the front of the room. And the, the person was working on their business but was literally failing to ship. And they so what they had asked coaching on was procrastination. They said, you know, I, I keep trying to, you know, improve everything and make it better, working on it. Um, but they say, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not really making progress. I'm not getting it out the door. And, and then they said something interesting. They said, you know, I know I should be positive and tell myself it's going to work and all that sort of stuff, but sometimes I get really afraid and I think, what if it doesn't work? What if it's not successful? What if it's not okay? So I said to them, I said, well, let, let, me, let me see if I can do something with that for you. I said, uh, now I may sound like the most terrible coach in the world, I said, but uh, it may not work. People may not like it. You're things may not turn out the way you're imagining they will, the way you're hoping they will. I said, but that's not the issue. And she said, it's not? And I'm like, yeah, that's not the issue. The issue is you're afraid that you couldn't handle it if that happened. And the fact is you can handle it. The fact is, you know, the fact that we're even having this conversation means that you've come from a a long line of people, uh, creatures even, who managed to survive on this planet until breeding age and have sex with someone at least once and pass on their genetic material. And that's happened over and over and over and over and over again, hundreds of thousands of times in succession. It's like the ultimate product development lifestyle, uh, life cycle. It's happened over and over again. And you are 
in a very literal way, the, the leading edge of that product development process, who you have evolved for life on this planet. You've evolved to be able to handle the, the wide range of challenges and opportunities and obstacles and uh, blessings and curses and everything that get thrown at us on this sometimes inhospitable planet. And here's the thing, 90% of creatures never survive until breeding age. They get eaten or whatever. And yet you've come from a line of, of ancestors, every single one of which has managed to survive till breeding age, hook up with someone and pass on their genetic material. And that's happened in an unbroken line over millions of years. And you're at the leading edge of that. You're built for reality. You're optimized for creativity and results. You you can handle whatever comes your way. So what I found, Abdulaziz, is that people often want, they, they want to kind of assuage that fear by saying, oh, I'm just a perfectionist. I just got, I want to get it right. I want it to be perfect. And I'm like, no, 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 that's bullshit. That's not true. You're afraid of criticism. You're afraid of making mistakes. You're afraid of being a laughing stock. You're being afraid of being told that your idea is no good. And so it's safer just to keep it to yourself in the safe confines of your own head and your own bedroom, rather than letting it out into the world where it gets to engage with reality. And the thing is, you know, we're built for reality. We're optimized for results. We, and, and we can learn things by taking action and putting our creations out into the world that we can never figure out in the privacy of our own heads. But you got to engage with reality for that to happen. And so I, it, it, my assertion is, but feel free to challenge it, my assertion is that people aren't really perfectionists. They just like to call themselves that. What they really are is they're afraid that they won't be able to handle it if things don't work out the way they want them to. And I'm here to promise you, you can handle it. You're built for reality. You can absolutely handle it. I love that. And I would add, if there is even a subconscious fear of it working out, not only of it failing. It's like, what if I get exactly what I want? I'm not really thinking that it's possible. So there is a fear of success. And to ask you to dive more into how clarity and the premise of your second book, Results, can help sh people ship more and handle, deal with, let go, or have a better relationship with this fear and anxiety when it comes to shipping? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I, I start my, my work, Abdulaziz, with, with two premises. And the first premise is that, uh, that well, it, it actually, it, I, I come from two directions, actually. One is this idea that you're, you're built for reality and optimized for results. Like that, that looks to me just like fact, like knowing who you are and what you've got going for you. That's valuable. Like I, I think a lot of people never really think about that. Like we get, we get brought up in a, in a, in a climate, in a culture that tells us that we're fragile, that tells us that we're easily broken, that we can be damaged or scarred or that sort of thing. And the fact is you're capable of far, far more than you think. And so my starting point is, is 
for people to realize you really are built for reality. You're built for this. And secondly, that, that you have an innate capacity for insight and realization. You know, I've worked with many, many entrepreneurs and I ask them all the same question, which is, when do you get your best ideas? And the answer is always the same category of things. They'll, the answers are things like in the shower, traveling to and from work, when I'm on holiday, when I go for a walk, when I'm at the gym. They, they invariably say they get their best ideas when they're not thinking about the thing they're working on. And that points to an innate capacity for clarity and insight and realization that's there in every human being. So you have this innate capacity for realization. And what I find with most people is when they think about the future, they're not factoring that in. They're not factoring in the fact that they are built for insight and realization, as well as for success, you know, as well as for results. Um, the, the third thing I'd say, you know, our experience works from the inside out. And so I, it looks to me, Abdulaziz, like the two most valuable things a person can discover are how experience is created and who they really are. So let me talk a little bit about both of those. First of all, how experience is created. Well, see, it genuinely seems to us as we as we sit here right now it genuinely seems to us that we're looking out through our eyes and that our eyes are like little windows in the front of our head right but in reality how our experience is created is much more like virtual reality uh uh, uh processing so basically data pours in through our senses through our eyes our ears our our, our nose our, our tactile senses data pours in and like trillibytes of data pours in every minute through our senses and then our minds go what must be out there quote unquote for me to be receiving this data okay and then the mind takes a guess at the world, uh, at what the world looks like, sounds like, smells like, tastes like, feels like. And what we live in moment to moment is that gas. Now it doesn't look like that. It doesn't seem like that, but that is literally the way it works. That's the way our neurology works. And this isn't even new science. This is old neurology kind of discovered by a guy called Hermann Helmholtz in the 1850s. Uh, he's kind of the granddaddy of neurology. And he figured out that our moment-to-moment our -moment experience is inferential. We're inferring it based on data received. Now, we're not conscious of that process taking place. You may, if you saw the movie Inception, there's a, uh, a line where, the, where the, the Leonardo DiCaprio character uh, says, oh, let me remember what he says. Uh, he says... I'm looking it up in my book. He says, in a dream, our mind continuously does this. We create and perceive our world simultaneously. And our mind does this so well that we don't even know it's happening. So that's why dreams are so, you know, in engaging when we're asleep and dreaming. It's very, very, it can seem very, very real. Well, he said that in the film, but 
It's my assertion that, that our waking experience is generated in exactly the same way, just with a live data feed. So in your waking experience of reality, moment to moment, your mind continuously creates and perceives a world simultaneously so well that you don't feel your mind doing the creating. And that's happening real time. Now, what does this mean? Let me land the plane. What this means is that everything that we're experiencing we experience in the moment. We experience it real time. That means that our thoughts about the past or if we're thinking about some future event, it genuinely seems to us like we can feel the future or feel the past or feel what other people are thinking about us or all that sort of stuff. But actually all we are ever feeling, the totality of what we are ever feeling is this process happening moment to moment. It's this internally generated perceptual reality being created moment to moment. Now, I know that may sound way out, but this is not even, uh, this is not even uh, controversial neuroscience. This is basic neuroscience. It's just that it has huge implications that the field of neuroscience hasn't quite clocked onto yet. So I, I'll give you a simple metaphor for this. If uh, if you ever see a child, a little child who's given a teddy bear or a security blanket, what we've referred to as a, a transitional object, they hold that teddy bear and, and it gives them, it seems to the child like that teddy bear is giving them a sense of peace and security and well-being. But actually, as adults, we know that 100% of that experience of peace and security and well-being is coming from within the child. You know, 0% is coming from the teddy bear. The teddy bear has just got stuffing in it. It hasn't got anything uh, special in it. It's just full of stuffing. 100% of the experience of peace and well-being and comfort and security is coming from within the child. But it genuinely seems to the child like it's coming from the teddy bear. Now, we know this. This is not controversial to anyone listening to this, I'm sure. But how different does it seem when we think of the feelings of peace and well-being that we believe we're getting from our bank account balance or from our girlfriend or boyfriend or uh, from some future event or some past compliment or... How different does it seem when we think about the feelings of anxiety and worry we get when we think of some future event we don't like the, the look of or something that someone said to us or that sort of thing. But what I'm suggesting to you is all those things are teddy bears. They're just teddy bears. A hundred percent of the feeling of worry and anxiety is created from within. None of it's coming from the outside. A hundred percent of the feeling of peace and security and well-being is coming from within. None of it is coming from outside. It's a trick of the mind. So the most valuable thing I've seen with the, the two most valuable things, actually, the first most valuable thing I've seen when it comes to helping people to ship is helping them to realize that all their worries and fears and anxieties aren't actually coming from that future event that they're imagining. They're coming from within real time. And that those feelings are like the rumble strips at the side of the road. They're just letting them know that they've veered into anxious thinking. That's all it's letting them know about. So that's the first most valuable thing that I find has a huge impact 
for people. The second most valuable thing uh, is as people start to see that, they relax into the source of clarity and resilience and well-being and creativity that's there at the heart of every human being. It's there in all of us. It's the source of those good ideas. It's the source of uh, uh, excitement and passion and connection and love. It's the source of creativity and fun and enjoyment. That's within too. And all, all the things we think we need in order to have that, they're teddy bears as well. The fact is, you've already got it. You've already got what you need within you to be able to ship. But also you've already got within you what uh, you believe that shipping will give you in terms of any internal experience of, you know, uh, 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 security or success or appreciation. You've already got what you've been looking for until now. And what I find is that as people start to realize that it gives them a great freedom to ship when they want to ship and to create when they want to create and to just do what makes sense, uh, free from the idea that your well-being and security and okayness is in any way dependent on what anyone else thinks. I love that. And if I understood you correctly, the two points that stand out to me is that we don't factor in the fact that we will become stronger, smarter, better, because we have the capacity for insight. And therefore, whatever future scenario we're imagining it, we're ima imagining this scenario from the standpoint of who we are today, not who we'll be later on. And that person is even better and stronger than we are now. And the second thing is that whatever emotions or feelings we feel, it's it comes and is generated from us and the outside world is neutral, but we are engaging in world creation and in a way creating our own simulation of a world where our beliefs are reality and where the emotions we expect to feel get triggered by the lack of something or the existence of something. But in reality, it's us who are generating those emotions and putting those conditions in place and we don't need to do that and when we operate from that place of completeness and of wholeness then we have access to the our full power full creativity and full capacity for execution did i understand you correctly yeah very well and there I, there's a couple of little nuances i'd put on it but i think you really nailed it um one of the nuances in, in the first point is the other thing we don't factor, we certainly don't factor in the fact that, you know, from an anti-fragility approach, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. And so who we're going to be at a certain point of the future has, you know, developed and that sort of thing. But the other thing we don't figure uh, factor in typically is that at any point in the future, this capacity for insight can bring us fresh new perception and fresh new ideas and fresh new uh, insight about how to uh, how to proceed. And you know, a, a, a synonym for the word insight is the word realization. And I really like the word realization because, to me, it points to this capacity we have to bring our perception 
more closely into alignment with reality. That, that, that the process, you know, if you stop and think about it for a moment, we were born knowing hardly anything. I guess we had a set of, you know, innate capacities and some, you know, hardwired logic about, you know, fear of falling from heights and loud noises. And that's about it. And yet using that innate ability to bring our perceptions more closely into alignment with reality, we've evolved and developed over our lifetimes and developed incredible skills and abilities. And that innate capacity is still with us. You know, we, I think at a deep instinctive level, we get that any perception we have is a model, it's a map. And so it's, it's by definition, it's provisional and needs to be updated. And so this, the way I think about it is it's almost like that capacity for insight and realization is like a little software update that fixes bugs and brings the overall platform uh, closer and closer and closer to reality over time. And that's, that's how we create our experience of reality. But I'd go one further and I'd say, we have this incredible operating system for living, but most of us are working from an old version of, you know, windows from the 1980s that someone taught us rather than working with the up-to-date version. And uh, the up-to-date version is the one that we were actually born with. You know, if you, if you think about, you know, what you were saying about anxiety, about shipping and that sort of thing, if you look at a, a two or three-year-old child and compare their general anxiety levels with that of a 30 or a 40-year-old, the, the two or three-year-old tends to operate with much more vibrant mental health. They're, they're a lot more exploratory, a lot more creative, typically a lot less afraid of failure and criticism, willing to try things out and see what happens. So the average three-year-old or two-year-old exhibits a lot more of the kind of qualities that would make a great developer than the average 30 or 40 year old, as well as a bunch of things that wouldn't be so helpful. But, but it seems to me that the fear of mistakes, the fear of criticism, the fear of being found wanting, that's something that gets taught to us at high school or in, in the education system. And it's bullshit. It's not, it's not real and it's not who we are. And so to some extent, what I'm really pointing to is that that innate capacity for realization can bring us back into connection with that, that instinctive desire to create an experiment and explore that we were all born with. I love it. To me, it seems like you're saying that we should live our life as poetry because the origin of uh, poetry in Greek is poesis, and it's that ability to let life and execution emerge through us from a more a source that is more powerful and turning that into reality by trusting that flow that comes up without resisting it did i understand correctly and if so what comments or expansions may be on this idea of living as a poet in poetry in motion and poises. 
I, I really like that. I never thought of it like that before, but I, you know, my own alignment as a creator and I like, you know, writing books and creating programs and products and businesses and all this sort of stuff. And I like, you know, taking risks and that sort of thing. And all of that, in all of that, I want to be as much as possible. I want to be guided by that kind of inner wisdom and intelligence. And my assertion is that we all have that, which you are kind of pointing to when you were talking about poesis, is, is there is there's a, you know, we're all, every one of us is, is part of life. You know, we're, we're not just, you know, uh, uh, we're not isolated machines or something like that. We, this life force or this life energy, however you want to refer it, uh, it, it's animating our being and it's there at the very hearts of our being. It's there in deciding, you know, what, what direction we go in, in life, what we're inspired to create. You know, even when I ask that question, when do you get your best ideas? The thing that everyone will say when I, when they tell me when they get their best ideas is, they'll say that the the thing that lets them know that it's a truly great idea is number one, that it suddenly looks obvious when it was completely invisible a moment before. But number two, that, it, that there's a way in which it doesn't feel like it came from them. It feels almost like it came through them or to them. And so that speaks to that kind of deeper kind of uh, life energy that's in every single one of us. And it's kind of animating our being and it's, it, it's there. And, and, you know, it's funny when I've spoken to neuroscientists about that, this, all of this correlates to stuff that we see going on when we do brain scans and that sort of thing. You know, the, the moments when people have insights and realizations and that sort of thing. So I think it's, I think it's a really nice way of putting it, Abdulaziz. Thank you. And there is a point that I'm curious about that, you talked, uh, you talked about a bit, but I would like you to speak on it a bit further. You said we are built for results. And now my assumption is if we live in the moment in clarity, what we do will get us the results we want. Is this a true understanding? And if so, how does this process work? And do you have stories of people who you have guided through your own processes and coached and enlightened them in a way uh, on the reality of how life works, that they went back to you and told you, thank you so much. You have been so instrumental in me getting X, Y, Z, and now my life is better and different. Yeah, I, and you asked a bunch of questions there. So let me see if I can remember what the first one was. So the first one was was an assertion. You said, am I, am I right in understanding that if we're living in the moment and living in this clarity all the time, then we're going to create results? Well, yes. And I, to my experience is that it does. we don't even have to be that kind of on it. Like with this, with this understanding... Just knowing what you've got going for you means you'll also know that you'll go in and out of clarity and you'll, some of the time you'll be very present and in the moment and in a flow state and other times, you know, you'll have your head up your backside and that's just called being a person and that's no problem. We don't have to be doing it perfectly in order to 
create good results and get feedback from the world. You know, we're, we're good at that stuff. In it, as human beings, we're born doers. We're action takers. We're we're tinkerers. We we do well by getting real world feedback. So, on the one hand, what I found again and again and again is that as people get a better understanding of the principles behind clarity, they they spend more time in the present moment. It kind of you know how people have got a lot on their mind these days. There's there tends to be a a lot for people to think about. Well learning the principles behind clarity i refer to it as subtractive psychology it's the only thing i found that takes things off your mind automatically without having to meditate or do mindfulness or anything like that it takes things off your mind automatically so you can focus at the job at hand and get things out the door um in terms of people i've done that with well funnily enough i was literally just this morning uh, having a conversation with a guy who the thing he wanted to ship, he he was a, uh, a a music teacher, but who wanted to build a business. And he had a sudden insight one day that he wanted to write a book, right? So he suddenly gets this idea. He wants to, he basically wants to help the whole music industry. Um, and he's got, oh my God, I'm going to write this book. So of course he's freaked out with all the kind of things that people get, you know, who am I to do this? What if it doesn't work? All that sort of stuff. But as he started to see who he really is and where his experience is coming from, he did what I consider to be the simplest kind of actionable thing for anyone to do when it comes to shipping, which is he just started taking the next step. You know, there's a, there's a quote by an author that I just love, uh, the, the, the author is called uh, E.L. Doctorow, and he said, uh, he said, writing a novel is like driving at night in fog. You can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole journey that way. Well, the same comes to when it comes to shipping a product, in my opinion. It's like driving at night in fog. You can only see as far as your headlights, but you can make the whole journey that way. And so you just need to take the next step. So that's what he did. And and today I interviewed him, you know, sort of three years since he had that insight that he wanted to write a book. So he's he's shipped a number one best-selling book. He's now literally coaches rock stars who, like he coached someone who was headlining uh, the UK's Glastonbury Festival last year. Uh, he's working with a huge charity for uh, musicians to help with mental health in the in the world of the music industry and all that sort of stuff. And at the end of that interview, he was thanking me for the impact I've made in uh, his life. But I was thanking him for the impact he's made in my life because I love seeing, like my job, if you like, Abdulaziz, is to be kind of a guide uh, and to help people on their journey, the journey they're going on. And so I just love seeing people get things out the door and and discover where life is taking them. Because that's the thing. Back to the thing about when we think about the future, we don't tend to build in that capacity for insight. Well, we also, we we think that we know what the future is going to be like, and we just don't. And, you know, if I look back, if you'd have told me 20 years ago that if I went down the path I was going down, I would be a Sunday Times bestselling author, and I'd be working with uh, entrepreneurs all over the world, and I'd be doing all this stuff, I would have freaked out speaking to large groups. I was terrified of public speaking. 
but I didn't know who I was going to become in the process of just taking the next step and following that inspiration and following that passion. So yeah, I've got, I've got loads of stories of people uh, in that boat. And another example is uh, one of my clients, an entrepreneur called Jim Lucock, who runs an advertising company in the UK. So he's got like, I don't know, a hundred staff, uh, significant, you know, seven or eight figure turnover. And he, he had an inspiration to create a, a charity. And, and his idea was, he called it Goodwill Rocks. And he figured out a way that he could take excess capacity in the advertising industry, offer it to other charities and make this huge win-win-win uh, that created like millions of dollars of free advertising for charities. So it's really cool stuff. But that just came from a moment of clarity that he had. And it's one of the things I write about in my book, Results, about that story about Jim. So I've, I've got lots of examples of these. And it's, but it, the funny thing is, Abdulaziz, the pattern is the same, whether someone's shipping a software project or someone's writing a book or someone's wanting to start a business or someone's wanting to, to, paint a, a beautiful painting or someone's wanting to learn a piece of music, the process is exactly the same because the human capacities that we bring to it are the same. Uh, the things that get in the way are remarkably universal. That's the thing I, I'd love people to know is the things that seem like such personal challenges in terms of fear of shipping and fear of criticism and all that sort of stuff. Those are universal. And it turns out, I saw this wonderful quote that I'm going to share with you. This is from Terence McKenna. Uh, I just heard this yesterday. Uh, he said, uh, nature loves courage. You make the commitment and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles. Dream the impossible dream and the world will not grind you under. It will lift you up. And that's my experience. You know, it takes courage to take the next step when you're scared or where you're worried about what people will think or what people will say, or maybe they won't like it. It takes courage. But if you do that, two cool things happen. First of all, the stuff from the quote happens. But the second cool thing that happens is that that courage gets transformed into confidence. Now, what I found is that an understanding of who you are and what you've got going for you and understanding the principles behind clarity can help make it easier to, to do courage and take those steps. Uh, but it, action really is the magic word. My, the saying I sometimes use is clarity plus action equals results. And I love how many quotes you use. So I'll add two of my favorite that I feel are relevant. The first is by Nietzsche, where he said, Life is a process of constantly reorienting yourself in the face of uncertainty. And that reminds me of the author quote that you mentioned. And the second is by Goethe, where he said, nothing happens until you commit. When you commit, it feels like the world conspires to support you. And it's like that. happening in magical ways. That. To give people a bit of concrete clarity <laughs> for the lack of <laughs> a better word if somebody wants to work with you what is the process what can they expect what because you know as somebody who has been in the marketing trenches for a long time i find that the biggest fear 
for human beings really is the unknown. And the more that we, uh, you know, shine light on what will happen or can happen, the more likely people can take steps that will support them and help them. So can you describe, let's say somebody wants to be coached by you and it's the first day, what happens during that first day, second week, third week? Like what is the expected process? Well, the the one-to-one coaching, just to be clear, I, I have a, a range of things I do ranging from tons of free stuff like podcast episodes to relatively low-cost stuff like books and so on. Um, I also run training programs. So my large group training programs, uh, they, they all speak at specific results depending on what you're wanting to have happen. My one-to-one coaching, the, my kind of entry-level coaching program is uh, my CEO one-to-one intensive. And that that's an investment of 50,000 pounds, which is, I guess, about $75,000 at today's rates. Um, and so if I'm, I only have six clients maximum at any one time. So if I'm going to work with someone, uh, the starting point is we have an initial conversation just to kind of see if there's chemistry there. And in that initial conversation, I'm going to ask questions like, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and you could have everything in your life and in your business and in your work the way you want it to be, how would you know the magic wand had worked? And and I'll literally just spend that whole first session. So this is not a paid for session. This is only like with with qualified individuals. I'll I'll spend that whole first session doing my level best to to kind of get your world and find out what your what you're up against, what you perceive as being the challenges and obstacles, but also what your inspiration is, what you would love to have happen, what would truly be a dream come true result. And at the end of that session, if I think I can help you, then I'll offer to come back to you with some ideas about how we can work together. And so I'll go away and I'll think about it and I'll put together a package that'll be bespoke for you. Like, like I say, Abdulaziz, because I'm only working with half a dozen people a year, I want to be very, very clear that I want to work with someone before I propose anything to them. So if, if we decide that uh, we might like to work together, then I'll offer to come back to you with a package and, and we'll walk through that together and I'll explain, here's how it's going to work and that sort of thing. Now, how that almost always starts is with what I call a three-day intensive. So that's, we spend three days one-on-one, obviously we're doing that over Zoom at the moment. Uh, We spend three days one-on-one in sessions, typically three sessions a day. Uh, And in that three days, you'll be getting crystal clear on what success looks like for you, but also we'll be clearing away the obstacles to that and helping you really get in touch with that source of clarity and resilience and well-being that's there within you, and then using that to solve problems. So typically the clients who work with me like this, they've already reached a level of success in their lives and they, they've kind of reached the, the edge of where their current way of thinking is able to take them. We've reached the edge of that. And so this is about waking them up to a new way of relating to life and a new way of relating to themselves and what's important to them. You know, I was having a conversation with a prospective client once, and this was a guy who already had a a huge business, like hundreds of millions of dollars in turnover, but wanted to build a billion dollar brand. 
And uh, I, I dug in with him, you know, into what he wanted and asked him, you know, why is that important? And why is that important? And what would that give you that you wouldn't otherwise have? Really getting clear on what it is that he wanted. And then after that, it, when we got to the end of it, he said that what he really wanted was to be able to get to the end of his life and know that he'd lived a good life and done what he was here to do and finish his life with a sense of peace and purpose and security. And I said, okay, I'm going to tell you something. And based on what I tell you, you're going to know right away whether I'm a good coach for you. He's like, wow, go for it. I said, well, if you and me work together, we're going to get together for three days. And what you said that you wanted to have at the end of your life, you're going to start experiencing that now. You're going to wake up now to that sense of inner well-being and possibility and security and clarity. And then you're going to create from there. And Here's the thing. I don't know what you're going to create from there. Yeah, you may create a billion dollar brand or you may sell your business and travel the world with your family. I don't know what's going to make sense to you. Uh, but if we do that, you'll go on an adventure and you'll create what you want to create. And then we'll do follow up calls and I'll support you with that and all that sort of stuff. But typically, Abdulaziz, and he said, amazing, I'm in. Uh, but typically, Abdulaziz, that's the structure. We, we work together for three years to really set a new foundation and then do follow-up coaching from that. But almost everyone who works with me, Abdulaziz, typically before they work with me, they've explored a fair bit. Like they've listened to a bunch of my stuff or they've read my books. Like sometimes someone will hear a podcast like this and just reach out to my office and book on a call. But typically people have explored because they listen to something like this and they're kind of like, well, I can tell that this guy is on to something, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And so, and I get that. So it, it's more like if people resonate with this, then reach out, explore. Maybe uh, if, if you think you might want to work one-to-one -one with me, then by all means, send a message to my office and we'll figure something out. Um, but it really is about designing something bespoke so that the person gets exactly what they're looking for, though not necessarily in the way they expect it. I agree 100%. And as the French say, uh, tu ne sais pas si bien dire, which means like, you don't know how right you are in the words you say, and that people might find out they want something totally different when they get those emotions and operate from clarity. And since some people or even many people in my audience might not have heard about you, and I'm sure they will go now and get clarity and results, your best-selling books, to discover more. But for now, I know you have began um, some years ago, and you were one of the best at neuro-linguistic programming, and you have explored many other avenues. And now you settled on this uh, subtractive psychology, just to give people a tangible understanding. Why did you choose this? And what mistake or wrong thinking or wrong assumptions or methodologies are other people out there following or doing that are outdated that you found the need to come up with the 
subtractive psychology and to focus on clarity as the way? Well, I'll tell you that that it, here's what happened, Abdulaziz. It was really, really cool, actually. And I loved teaching NLP, right? I, I had a great time doing that and really enjoyed it. And then in 2009, I uh, was introduced to these principles, which were discovered by a guy called Sidney Banks. Uh, and and he was basically pointing to something that's there to be seen, to that kind of the inside out nature of experience. And I started having insights. And my first insight was, oh, everything you've been looking for outside yourself is already there within you. It's already there within you. Now, I, I'd read that in books and that sort of thing, but I had an experience of it. And that changed how I related to myself and my goals and that sort of thing. My second insight was the fact that a person can even see or hear or feel or perceive means they have the source of clarity and confidence and creativity and well-being already within them. We, we already come kind of with that as the factory settings. We've already got it. And then the third insight I had was I, I suddenly realized, oh, this is principles for psychology. Now, you got to understand, if you, if you look at the field of physics, the field of physics, there are principles that govern that field principles in terms of you know bedrock facts about life that govern that field and that's made possible incredible feats of engineering and uh and, and a lot of the stuff we see in computer science in fact is a, a function of the fact that we have you know a bedrock understanding of principles scientific principles well, the field of psychology is not based on scientific principles. It's based on everything from heuristics to uh, theories to so there are there are hundreds of different schools of psychology, and that that's not a criticism. It's just the nature of the field. It's a pre-principles field, and that's why it's not considered to be a hard science. It's because there aren't an agreed set of principles that have formed a paradigm that the that the field has agreement on, okay? Well, what I realized was that these principles that I refer to as the principles behind clarity, they represent a paradigm for human psychology. They they have all the markers of principles, i.e. they're uh, explanatory, they're predictive, and they're constant. And so given the, you know, a lot of times I used to be a software developer, right? And the thing that a lot of software developers used to say is, why can't people be more predictable? Why are people so, so seemingly unpredictable and irrational and all that sort of stuff? Well, it's not that people aren't predictable. It's that when you don't know the principles governing their behavior and their responses, then they're as unpredictable as any system is when you don't understand the principles behind it. So the literally the very day that I realized that this represents principles for the field of psychology, I called up my business. I said, we're getting out of NLP. There's principles for psychology. I saw that this understanding represents the future of psychology and the future of humanity. So it was a no brainer. It was like, it was like being the first person to see Netscape and go like, oh, this is the future. This is where it's all going. Or the first person to buy some Bitcoin. It's like, oh, this is going to be big. So uh, yeah, it was just an, ins as the moment I understood it, Abdulaziz, 
it, it was a no brainer. It was just obvious to me. It's like, oh, there's principles. Well, that changes everything. And to make it really, really tangible that anytime we don't understand something, we make up more complex models to explain it. So understanding is by its very nature subtractive. It decomplexifies. Uh, and so this, you know, the, one of the, funnily enough, one of the presuppositions of NLP is that people already have all the resources they need already within them. The, the difference with me, Abdulaziz, is I truly believe that. I know that to be true. So they don't need me to give them something to do to access that. All I need to do is point them in the direction of that source of clarity and resilience and creativity and well-being. And it's amazing how quickly that kind of boots up and activates and comes to bear in their lives. So that's why it was a no-brainer to move in this direction. Once you see, once you see that there are principles for a field, everything else looks a little bit, you know, second best. It's fascinating. It reminds me of Feynman, the Nobel Prize winner, and he does that where everything he studies, he tries to find the six or a dozen principles that will explain and govern everything and then he can consider himself to have mastered that field so to get more since this is just the beginning exploration of something so fascinating what is the next step you recommend for people so that they will learn more about you they will learn more about clarity and results and understand more what you do in the world so the um there are a couple of options first of all all my stuff is at jamiesmart.com i've also got a couple of podcasts i've got the uh the get clarity podcast and the thriving coaches podcast so there's lots of interesting stuff on those if people like audio my i've got audio books for three of my uh, my books on audible so clarity the little book of clarity and results are all on audiobook what i'd say is that my book results is one of the pieces of work the audiobook version of it i'm really really proud of uh, there's lots in there about exponential organizations and exponential technology and just kind of the the exponential world that we're living in today so for anyone who's a developer i think the book results especially the audiobook version of it is going to be particularly interesting and then my website jamiesmart.com has all all the different stuff you would expect of how to work with me. And uh, if you want to uh, hire me to work one-to-one, -one, then just reach out to my office and we can uh, book in a call. Uh, so yeah, those are the easiest ways. And then my regular paperback books are on Amazon. Great. That was absolutely <laughs> one of the best interviews ever, Jamie. I thank you for your time and I wish you a great day. Oh, you too. Great to speak with you, Abdulaziz. Thanks for inviting me. Thank mm -hmm. you.